0: The places that I remember when I've traveled are not necessarily the ones with the highest thread count sheets or the shiniest silver cutlery. It's the places where I feel like I've made a connection. And one of the constant comments that we get is, I kind of came here thinking that it was for me, and the thing that's most touched me is learning about the people here.
1: Hello and happy spring. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you. You're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, as we celebrate the change in seasons with season two of our series, where we welcome in brighter days with budding conversations from families who entertain and educate guests like you and me from all around the world. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Portia Hart, founder and owner of Blue Apple Beach, where like-minded locals and in the know visitors can enjoy a guilt-free beach life in the Colombian sun at this regenerative beach club and boutique hotel. Portia, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company.
0: Molly, thank you so much for having me. I'm always really thrilled that there's anybody out there who's interested in hearing our story. So thank you very, very much.
1: Of course, it'll be an exciting chat. Now, before we do get to know your boutique hotel and beach restaurant, With a strong focus on fun paired with sustainable tourism, of course, we want to get to know you. Can you tell us about yourself, your upbringing in the UK, and your personal passions?
0: I was born in the UK uh, to my British father and my Trinidadian mother. So even though I grew up in cold, grey England, I think there was always a side of me that was yearning to get back to some Caribbean sun. Um, I survived until I was about 22 During that time, I also went to Scotland to study. I studied in Japan for a year. And at 22, I think my body just said, we've had enough, too much grey. And I moved down to the south of France, where I found a job in Monaco. I thought I would be staying there for about a year or two years while I decided what to do with my life. And I ended up staying there until I was nearly 30 years old before moving to Colombia. So I'd say my background is quite eclectic. I didn't have a plan. I wasn't one of those kids that was born knowing what they were good at. I enjoyed studying languages, I enjoyed travel, I enjoyed good weather. sounds so flippant to say it like that, but it really is true. And I also was born to two parents who were adventurers, and I think that that really rubbed off on me. My mother left her home country when she was young and actually never went home. My father, during his 20s, travelled an awful lot all over Europe. So I just had this sense of stable home, stable family life, but there's a big wide world out there, let's go and enjoy it. It's difficult to nail down passions. I would say that, honestly, my passion is doing things as well as I can do them and finding some new and exciting adventure in life and I think that's probably why I've ended up working on an island in
1: Colombia. Well yes I mean just that innate adventure in your blood I'm sure just led you to all over the world and then to settle down somewhere where you feel like you belong and so we'll get into that. How did you find yourself in the world of travel and hospitality specifically?
0: My first real job outside of university was working for a company that did a super yacht brokerage and management that was down in Monaco. Sounds terribly glamorous. I was not on the glamorous end. I was you know, in the office working as a PA. And although I was back office, obviously that whole industry is geared around people enjoying good quality time. It was a little bit too much for me by the time I got to my 30s. I felt that it was kind of a bubble, um, a beautiful, gorgeous, glamorous, exciting bubble full of interesting people but I had this feeling that I wanted to connect with a real world. I found myself in Colombia because a friend of mine had married a Colombian girl and they were moving to Colombia. And he said, look, I'm gonna open a business. You seem pretty handy with languages. You don't seem to be intimidated by moving to strange places. Do you wanna come and be my right hand? We got here. Actually, they didn't enjoy living in Colombia. So they stayed for a few months and then left. But by that time I had packed up, sold my house, at my job, throwing a huge party, and I felt like I couldn't really go back. And I came to Cartagena, and actually had no intention of starting a business. But I was trying to go to the beach, and every time I went to the beach, I just found that as a consumer, I was not having the experience that I wanted to have. And there's that Malcolm Gladwell book, um, which references the 10,000 hour rule. And I was joking one day, and I said, the only thing I think I've done for 10,000 hours is had lunch on the beach after living nearly a decade in the half of France, and. I thought, well, hang on a second, there's a disconnect here because I'm in this country which has an amazing sense of hospitality, but because of its tumultuous past, hasn't had a lot of experience or connection with overseas tourism the same way that perhaps Mexico or Argentina have. And so I've got knowledge, which actually a lot of local people don't have, which is what is a foreign visitor looking for when they come to a restaurant or they go to the beach? And I thought, actually, I could pair that knowledge up with expertise on the operational side and we could create something quite special so without really having any experience without really knowing what i was doing i met a chef who was colombian had lived and worked in the for most of his career and we just dived in he managed the operation he brought on our head waiter who'd worked in one of bogota's busiest restaurants and i said this is what the client wants um and that was eight years ago and here we are today
1: Yes, and you've certainly instilled yourself in the local community. And that's so nice that you're willing to take the risk to move to a new place and just learn and adapt and figure out what you enjoy so much about it. So what about the local landscape, the community, and the culture of Cartagena made you really feel at home there?
0: There are so many aspects to Cartagena that that make it a special place. The first thing for me, very, very obviously, is that my mother was from Trinidad and Tobago, um, my grandmother was still living there at the time and I really wanted to live in the Caribbean I wanted to be close geographically to my grandmother to be able to visit her which is something that I wasn't able to do much as a child um, and I wanted to live firsthand in that culture which was something very very different from my British upbringing. I chose not to go and live in Trinidad and Tobago it was two very small islands um, I wasn't really sure what I'd be able to do there. And also, languages have been a passion of mine since I can remember. I'd studied French, I'd lived in Japan and studied Japanese, and I really, really was keen to learn Spanish. And so the Colombian Caribbean coast made sense as a first stop. And then I think the real question is why I've stayed. And I I think it's it's a combination of it is somewhere where I feel very much at home, you know, having grown up in a very um, white part of the UK and then and lived in Scotland and then lived in Japan. Um, and lived down in the south of France, I've always lived somewhere where people don't really look like me. And I've been extremely privileged and, and that's not really bothered me too much, but living somewhere now where it's really a rainbow of backgrounds, but where I fit in physically very, very easily. And then the just the rich cultural heritage of this place is Latin, but it's also got, got deep Afro-Colombian roots. There's a lot of African culture and heritage and you hear it in the music, you taste it in the food, you see it in people. And I think that that, diversity, which combines, you know, a Latin culture, which is one that I, I love, I admire, I, I, I enjoy, and then something which is more connected to my own background, um, just makes me feel very at home here.
1: And to be able to be on the beach and see the potential too, of how you can bring that music and that food and that culture and community to life, all in the beautiful setting that's already there. I can picture the concept, but yeah, the fact that it wasn't there before then is just, Surreal. So, how did you find the property and really bring the vision to life back in 2016?
0: I was very, very lucky. I uh, met my landlord, uh, or I met his brother actually, and he's my brother's got a, you know, got a spot on an island, and he's really keen to rent it out. And um, I went to see it, and actually, when I first saw Blue Apple, I wasn't entirely convinced. But fortunately, I went with my two business partners, uh, two chaps from New York. And one of them is a real uh, property genius. He just sees things I think other people don't see. He has a separate career in property development. And he said, oh, my God, no, Porsche, this is amazing. You can do something with this. And I just kind of trusted him. And at the time, our landlord, I think he built this property as a, a holiday home for him and his family. The kids had grown up. No one was really using it. And anybody who owns property on the beach, I think, will know that it's as much of a headache as it is a joy. And he was spending a lot of time, a lot of effort, quite a lot of money on maintenance and wasn't really enjoying it. So he was quite keen to have someone take it off his hands. I think we signed the longest lease ever, um, which we keep on extending. And and Blue Apple just grew out of that. But I have to say, it wasn't a well-rounded, sudden concept, you know, and we went from A to where we are today quickly. It has been an endless iteration and development and evolution over the last seven years.
1: And speak a little bit more about that. Was that evolution what you expected and envisioned, or is it even more?
0: Absolutely not at all what I expected. Um, I always try to be really honest. I think it's very easy to get where you are and then say, well, yes, obviously this was always the plan. Um, But when I first opened Blue Apple, one of the questions somebody said is, are you going to make it an eco hotel? Are you going to be focused on environmental sustainability? And I said, absolutely not. I thought that anything related to eco would be very very expensive to install would be very very complicated I also had that feeling having traveled a bit that quite often the word eco was sort of shoved in front of something when they didn't want to invest in air conditioning units or and it had this sort of sense that it was actually quite poor quality or maybe it was just backpacker hostels which was what I didn't want to do and then the second thing and and I'm kind of embarrassed, but also I feel like it's important for other people setting out on this journey not to be ashamed of themselves. I was really keen to make this place, you know, a taste of Europe in Colombia. And my whole concept was that this would be reminiscent of the south of France, reminiscent of Spain, places that I'd spent a lot of time and really enjoyed. And over the last seven years, you know, I would say that the eco, the regeneration, the sustainability and the Colombia have crept in. And those are the things that have turned Blue Apple from being sort of a generic cookie cutter beach club into the weird and wonderful spectacular creature that it is today.
1: Oh, yes. No, that's so exciting to hear. And you can definitely see all of that community and culture brought to life. And we'll dive into that. But since then, you've founded several other boutique hotels, beach clubs, bars, and a non for profit foundation. Can you share more about how these businesses and what the mission is that is consistent throughout?
0: When I first came to Cartagena, it was 2015. We opened Blue Apple in 2016. And the way that I opened Blue Apple really to answer a need that I felt as a tourist, that sort of continued to happen. So in 2017, my business partners and I had the opportunity to open a small hotel in the city of Cartagena. And that was really the answer, again, to something that we were looking for. It was a place where our friends could visit, feel comfortable, um, in Cartagena, there were lots of really, really gorgeous boutique hotels, but all of them quite quiet, tending on the romantic side. Perhaps if you went out and you partied and you came in at three in the morning, you felt a bit guilty and tiptoeing in. And so we wanted to open somewhere that was that same level of quality, not a youth hostel, but also a bit more relaxed and a bit more of a vibe to it. We put a rooftop bar on the top um, and opened that up to the general public. So that became a really popular local spot, which is where a lot of our guests actually meet people from Cartagena. And then in 2018, we opened the nonprofit that was Green Apple. And that opened really again to answer a problem that I had on the island that we had no municipal waste collection services. And so we were dealing with our own rubbish. We were trying to recycle as much as possible. And the items that weren't recycled, we essentially started a nonprofit to be able to handle those. And then in 2019, we opened Members Only, which is a jazz bar. Um, and that again came out of a desire that we had, which was, you know, we love that we live in this country and this is city and it's so vibrant and it's so very Colombian. But sometimes you feel a little bit trapped in a tourist bubble and you think, I just want something a bit international or I want to listen to something that reminds me of home. And obviously partnering with two New Yorkers, jazz was a big thing. And we found these incredible musicians who were jazz musicians. They didn't have a jazz band, but they joined together and have become a jazz band, which is now, I think, one of the most popular bands in Cartagena. 2020 we survived the pandemic. And 2021, I opened um, Amari with a separate business partner. And again, that was because we found that there were, now we had a team of over 100 people working with us. We were getting to know people in the industry and hospitality. And they were saying, you know, it's really frustrating. We work in these good places. But on our day off, we don't really have somewhere to go which is affordable and good quality. We want good quality because we're accustomed to it, but it's all slightly outside of our price points. And so we opened Amari to be somewhere which is a bit more laid back. It's got a lower price point we've got fewer members of staff, but we work with the same ethos, the same quality, we have the same executive chef, we work with the same ingredients. And that was a way to kind of give something back to the hospitality industry here, that there was somewhere that they could go, they can afford to go, but they're not dropping quality, and they can be taken care of the way that they take care of people. So it was kind of every year, we had some kind of hurdle or obstacle or desire, and and we just went into trying to solve it. And I guess that's the underlying theme.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, so nice to hear that you're so in tune with, you know, your own needs, but then also the needs of the community and being able to ideate and to bring together the right people to make the difference and to come up with all these new concepts. I can only imagine years from now how you'll take over that that town. But you also mentioned, you know, how sustainability wasn't necessarily innate from the beginning and that it really grew into something much larger than you might have thought And so as we celebrate our planet Earth this month, what does regenerative travel and sustainability and travel mean to you?
0: I'm really grateful that you've kind of given me the chance to talk a bit about the background and and as I say, I tried to be quite honest that I didn't dive into this either as an expert or as a convert. I think having grown up in the global north, having lived a, you know, really privileged life, and I talk about privilege in, in terms of sometimes very simple things, you know, in the UK, in Japan, in Scotland, in the south of France. When I put something in the bin, I never see it again. It goes off somewhere. You know, life works. And I think coming to this island especially, and, and to a certain extent Cartagena, I was suddenly just so aware of how those systems that I'd grown up with really shield me from the reality of what life is, how the world works. And sustainability and regeneration for me have become innate parts of my business, My business is. Not because I'm a good person, not because I'm some kind of saint, but because, and if you listen to the word sustainable, it actually talks about something that can continue. And for me, if you are not taking care of your community, your community will not take care of you. If you are not taking care of your environment, your environment is not pleasant to live in. And I think I grew up in a place where other entities took care of those things, so I didn't have to. You know, I was working in Monaco. I wasn't too worried about the local community because the government was taking care of the local community, of which I was a part. When I'm living in in London, I'm not too worried about the environment because I trust my municipality to be taking care of it. Here on this island, I realised if my business wasn't a part of those solutions, then my business would also suffer. And I think that's the thing that I wish I'd learned earlier on. And I wish, you know, I didn't study business. But if, if you include these ideas of taking care of people, and taking care of what's around you into your business, it will positively affect your financial bottom line. And during the pandemic, that was when I sat down and I had a chance to read, and I was reading books like Donut Economics by Kate Woolworth. And it just, the concept of this triple bottom line, a win win win, what's good for my bank account need not cause harm to my neighbor, uh, and actually could be good for my neighbor's bank account and for my neighbor's development. And what's good for my bank account could also involve something that's regenerating my local environment. And it just, sat so comfortably with me and it made so much sense and for me that's what regenerative or sustainable anything is and I try not to box myself into hospitality. I think it would be far easier or, or, and far more positive if we actually thought about our lifestyles, the way we live, the way we do everything, the way we approach everything. You know I work in hospitality but I'm a customer in many many businesses and the way that they operate is, is impacts me and the businesses I choose impacts the world around me. So I, I, I prefer to think of a trying to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And I don't mean, you know, I'm zero waste and I recycle everything in my house. I mean, I consciously think about the decisions that I make and where I spend my money. That's beautiful.
1: I have chills just thinking about the fact that you recognize what you didn't know and what you weren't accustomed to, you know, growing up or traveling around the world to these fortunate and beautiful places. And then all of a sudden realizing that this isn't necessarily the norm and being able to ask questions and be curious and try to come up with those solutions. And to your point on the fact that you're building a better place for not just the land, but the people too. When I think about, to your point, planet, people, it's not just profit anymore, it's prosperity. And it's really, you know, making sure that everyone that is touched by your business touched by your plans your visions benefits and prospers and grows and so that is so apparent in what you're doing and that's beautiful to hear that you're so humble in how you approach it hello worldly travelers and loyal listeners do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company we're always looking for new places to travel new people to meet Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at Staying Good Company. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. Now it's time for us all to take a trip to Blue Apple Beach as it stands today. Can you paint us a picture from the laid back beach club to the boutique hotel where guests can enjoy lazy days, music, and great food in a beautiful setting?
0: So we're on about three hectares of land on a large island which is about 20 minutes away from Cartagena by boat and we have 11 bedrooms soon to be 13 we're currently expanding very very slowly and all of our bedrooms are um very very different all unique style this is a family home that we've converted into a hotel so this is not a big resort complex we've evolved very much year on year um, and of the bedrooms, we have six cabanas. Those are sort of small bungalows which have their own plunge pool, slightly set aside from the property. And then inside the main house, the original holiday home, there are another five rooms. Um, I, as you probably have worked out, really like lunch. So from the very, very beginning, Blue Apple was never going to be just a hotel, it was always going to be somewhere where people could come for lunch. And I am a big believer in opening things up to as many people as possible so it was always going to be lunch not just for hotel guests but for anybody coming by uh, so we have a pretty busy beach club i think today we're expecting about 100 120 people to stop by for lunch so what happens when you stay in Drupal as a guest is you have this very very busy daytime experience music people dancing this is colombia you know lots of people watching we are super proud of the fact that on holidays and weekends you know when people aren't in the office we have almost as many local guests as we do overseas visitors. And so you'll see that kind of vibrant daytime. It's a party, but it's not a rave. That's something I always say. And then at 5.30, when the last boat leaves, it's suddenly like you're in your own private island. And you have all these hundreds of people that disappear. And you've got this huge place, which is really just for about 20 to 25 guests. So everybody disappears into their own small part of the of the property. It's really romantic. It's quite quiet. Um, The DJ obviously has disappeared at this point. Central to everything we do, whether it's a busy day or a quiet night, is people and food. So you are attended by a team of, we are now 65 people, It's quite a lot for a small property. And I don't really do much in the way of staff training. But what we tell everyone that works with us is that this is your home and everybody in it is your guest. And that is something that really comes across in the way that our team treats our, our guests and our visitors. And then the other thing that centrals everything, obviously, is the food. Um, we have an incredibly talented executive chef, Pedro Mosqueda. He's Venezuelan by birth. He's trained in Bogota and also spent eight years living in New York. Pedro and I, I think, don't have a thought apart when it comes to values, the origin of the ingredients, the uh, cleanliness of the supply chain, eliminating cruelty from, from the dishes that we're producing. He's the talent, I'm not. Um, and Pedro's designed a menu which is fresh, which is healthy, um, which is varied, and which is almost entirely guilt-free. Uh, he was a vegan at some point in his life, so we've also got a really good vegan offering. Um, but we do serve local meats, but all of our meat and fish is sustainably sourced, and all from animals where we know that the people who've reared them. So it's, it's, it's kind of like saying... In your friend's house, if you had a friend that had a really big 11-bedroom house on an island in the Caribbean, very, very laid back, but we are serious about our service and our food.
1: Sounds like it. And the fact that you get to experience the blending of both worlds where you're having that fun go, go, go atmosphere, the vibrancy of meeting the people and hearing the music and enjoying the food during the day, but then you get to reflect and relax and enjoy just the surroundings and the beauty of the space at night. So that's so nice to hear that you get a bit of both. And even if you're not a dancer like my fiance claims to not be, he won't be able to help himself, it sounds like, when we're there. (laughs) It sounds like the music just speaks to you, and everyone is just so welcoming that you're out of your comfort zone and you're just enjoying all that there is.
0: I'd say you're discovering a new comfort zone.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. I love that. I'll be sure to remind him of that. Now you do take great care in creating a community at Blue Apple Beach. Um, and everything has been designed to encourage that. So what are some of the most unique experiences that you offer? Some of the ones that you're most proud of?
0: Honestly, I am a people person in the sense that I think people make the place. The places that I remember when I've traveled are not necessarily the ones with the highest thread count sheets or the shiniest silver cutlery. It's the places where I feel like I've made a connection. And the feedback that I hear time and time again from Blue Apple, from our guests, is I came on holiday thinking that I was going to come to a resort where I was going to get some sun, drink some cocktails, eat some good food, relax, very much about me, right? Which I think is the way a lot of us in the global north travel, you know, I'm stressed out with my job, I need some time off, I need some sun, I need, I need, I need. And that was the way that I was taught to travel. It was the way I have travelled really until coming across the regenerative resorts community. And one of the constant comments that we get is, I kind of came here thinking that it was for me and the thing that's most touched me is learning about the people here and having an experience which caters to all the needs that I wanted but also feeling that I've connected with Colombian people, I've connected with people from this island, I know a little bit more. The fact that I was here made it different from having been in Mexico or having been in Dubai or having been in the Maldives. And I think that that's something that it's not me, that's Colombia. Uh, Colombians do that because Colombian people are friendly, vibrant, outgoing, charismatic, kind, naturally hospitable. And I think rather than saying, oh, we've got horse riding, or, oh, we're a paddy center and you can learn to dive. I think it's here you can come and you can have a holiday and you can really connect with another culture in a way that isn't pretentious, it isn't uh, condescending, it is really connecting with other human beings as equals and learning about them and them learning about you. And uh, I'll always remember my, my head bartender coming to me, was Jeff Bezos came for lunch, and my head bartender said afterwards, it's pretty cool, actually, isn't it, boss, if you think about it? Richest man in the world comes all the way to my island to meet me. And the fact that he saw it that way, um, I think, is, is what's so magical about hospitality in Colombia, especially. Um, and hopefully we've captured a bit of it.
1: Well, it sounds like you've really brought pride into your team and what they stand for. So they want to show up and do their best, too, which is so apparent in the service and just all the new ideas that you're coming up with as a collective team. And then you also you know, take great intention in some of the design and honoring the culture and the Colombian architecture and materials used in your space. Can you share a bit more about that?
0: I would say that the, the design has been a journey. Um, when we first opened, we were on a budget. So we opened to Apple with very, very little capital. It was me and my two business partners and our savings accounts. And uh, we didn't really know Colombia very well. I think none, none of us really spoke very good Spanish. And there was a lot, and I, you know, having just mentioned good old Mr. Bezos, there was a lot of just buying things on Amazon. Um, and as we've developed, you know, and we've, we've learned about community and what role businesses play in community, it now sounds so obvious to me and I kind of kick myself from seven years ago. The money that you spend in your community stays in your community. So when you have something like a global pandemic and suddenly all the borders are shut and people aren't travelling around, The more wealth there is in the village next door to you or in the town next door to you or in the the immediate vicinity to your business, the more chance your business has of success. And I started to look at at supply chain, you know, really as a a potential to enrich my community or or to kind of bleed wealth out of it. And so the design since that realisation has very much been coupled with my desire to kind of fortify the economics of my local community. Um, as well as celebrating local craft, celebrating local fabric, celebrating local local materials, and local design, it's also really helpful that Colombians have a really really good artisanal heritage. You know, I've got three carpenters who work on site. We make all our own furniture here. Um, we have a blacksmith who creates the most amazing things from chairs and furniture in our back of house to also decorative lamps. We've got women from our nonprofit who were creating lamps and souvenirs from glass bottles. And I think my father was a cabinet maker, so I grew up around um, craftwork. I grew up around, uh, around craftsmen who were extremely skilled. It's joyful to watch something be built and to see a piece of furniture or a painting or a cushion and know the story behind it and know the person that made it and know that the person that made it has a good quality of life and know the materials that go into it. You know, even our uniforms are now designed by Jasmine, who's from the local village, and she's a fashion designer. And her mother makes them. And another company from Medellin provides all of the fabrics, which are all either organic cotton or fabrics made from recycled plastics. So instead of just going to a store and buying something without thinking about it, you know, even the shirt that you're putting on has a story behind it. And I would say that when you think about design, It isn't just about the aesthetic, often it's about the way it makes you feel. How can you not feel good knowing those stories? So that definitely has influenced um, the look and feel of Blue Apple as we've moved away from that one click purchase to a very holistic, conscientious, right, we need to make a sun lounger that when it rains, dries quickly, is easy to move around, we can do it with local materials. Come on Ricardo, what are you gonna come up with? And then we see the finished product. And it's something that's just that much more meaningful.
1: Absolutely. There's a story there and there's so much intention behind it. So it's important for any guests going there that they really understand that and appreciate everything that they're touching, they're feeling, they're exploring as they go about their stay, whether for the day or or for a long period of time. And so you mentioned a lot of the local businesses that you like to support. Are there any other friends, restaurants, things to do that you like to call out?
0: Since I work in hospitality and all my friends work in hospitality, you know, I always say to anyone, come to Cartagena, hang out with us. You'll have the best time. I mean, there is an amazing food scene in Cartagena. It's really developed over the last seven to eight years. There are restaurants like Carmen, um, owned by my dear friend Carmen, which was one of the first really high end cuisine, oat cuisine restaurants in Cartagena. She's also got an empire down in Medellin um, and was named in 50 best restaurants for Medellin uh, restaurant last year. There's Celele, which is um, a restaurant run by my dear friend Jaime. Jaime spent years traveling around Colombia, collecting weird and wonderful ingredients, learning the stories of, of ancient foods from indigenous peoples and, and Colombian traditions. And he's put it all together in a restaurant which is intentional, not just in the food, but the glassware, you know, the crockery, the way they treat their team. Again, that idea that you can sit down, eat something outstanding but also know that it's having a positive impact on the community um Juan David another friend of mine who runs a bar called El Baron that was really the first bar that I remember going to in in Cartagena another 50 bar, so they've been recognized globally his head bartender Luna is actually married to my chef Pedro and you, you know it's funny because you think wow is this person just listing all of her friends and actually what I would say is my friendships have stemmed from the fact that these people share my values and run their businesses in a way that I admire And they were the businesses that I was looking up to when I opened and they were the places that I was going to and learning from. So if I can say it's not nepotism because they're friendships based out of mutual respect. Um, Those are just some of them. There are loads. I can't list them all.
1: I'm sure you would be a great tour guide and a great friend to have sitting next to the bar. But to that point, you're just building a community of people like-minded in wanting to learn and do better for the community and to give back and to to grow. And so you yourself take great pride in being both BIPOC and female led across your businesses. And you're building such a diverse team within your businesses. They each have their own stories to tell. And so, what about that community that you're building and shaping are you yourself most proud of?
0: It's important for me, I think, to take it away from the self. I'm actually not building a community. I was very fortunate to be accepted by a community. I love that. One to which I hope that I am contributing. You know, as an immigrant, you you come to a country like this and there's reasons that you stay, the weather, the people, the opportunities, and I feel that you bring things with you. You know, certain lessons that I've had, my education, the way that I saw businesses in the UK and and the way that my my ex-bosses ran their business in Monaco. And so I bring those things and hope that my contribution of those helps to make the community that's accepted me a stronger one. It's funny when we talk about diversity and inclusion in hospitality, and it really, I'm flabbergasted that we haven't had these conversations earlier or we even got as far as we did. And one of the things that I became very aware of, having opened my, my hotel and I would go to travel shows and I would meet other owners and almost every other owner was a white man in his 50s. Charming, you know, lovely. Um, and if I met female the owners, they tended to be the wives of white men in their 50s. and. I didn't meet that many people that looked like me running a business um, or owning a hotel, I should say. And at that point, I, you know, I had a management team. Everyone was kind of under 30. Um, We've got people from all the spectrums of everything. And I was thinking about my team and I was thinking, well, we've got loads of empathy with the people that we work with and the people that we serve, because we're looking at it from a very, very diverse point of view, right? If you are a same sex couple, and you've been bothered by the fact that every time you stay in a hotel, there's a pair of small slippers and a pair of big slippers, and one of you's wearing slippers of the wrong size. If you have an opportunity to run a hotel, um, like my operational manager, then you're going to say, could we just put the same size slippers in the rooms? If you are a, a woman of colour who's unmarried, and you've travelled around the world and felt really uncomfortable staying in some places, you're going to create a space where people feel comfortable, whether they arrive alone, whether they arrive with somebody, um we hilariously have one uh, well one one group of clients and, and they're a throuple um and they're really really good friends of ours and so you know when they come to stay we think about how easily we can make the conversation around perhaps not being your standard couple traveling the world and how people can ask for what they need without feeling ashamed or embarrassed or judged so i think with hospitality the thing that i i'm, I'm not proud of it I'm I'm pleased that we are diverse because if you are diverse, you will give better hospitality to more people and you will be opening up your potential client base and that will make your business more financially successful. So to me, it's again, it's that win, 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 win. The more diverse you are, the more people you can serve, the more people you can serve, the better you'll do. The better you do, the more people you can employ, the more people you employ, the stronger your community gets. Um, And I just wonder why we got as far down the other way as we did.
1: Well, to that point, you're you're really just closing the loop and just continuing to iterate. And to your point, meeting more people, you learn different backgrounds, you learn different stories, you learn different preferences, and then you can continue to evolve. And the fact that you're so willing to do so just makes it such a better place for everyone who goes now and 10 years from now. And with that in mind, too, you were the first island resort in the world to certify as B Corp. And so I'm sure you're very humble about that as well. But really, truly, what does that mean to your team? I mean, I know that's no easy feat to get that certification.
0: I think for my team, it was, oh, God, the boss has had another mental idea. We're (laughs) coming out of the pandemic. We really just want to survive. And she's banging on about certifying with this seemingly completely impossible task. Um, I actually didn't intend to certify. We, I started reading about Corps during the pandemic. We were closed. Um, and I started doing the impact assessment as an exercise to really learn about what BCOR meant. And I came across all these questions and I just thought, gosh, these questions, if my management team are reading these questions, it will shift, I think, the way that they're approaching their jobs. It would be a really good learning opportunity. So I sent the impact assessment out to all of my management teams. So guys, make yourselves a user. Dive into these questions. This is a really interesting reference. And then about three days later, I got this email from B Corp saying, "Thank you for submitting your impact assessment. One of our assessors will be in touch with you over the next few days, and we'll begin the application process." And I don't know how, but one of my managers had managed to accidentally apply. And so then we just kind of went into panic mode. Right over the next three months, let's actually give this a shot. And we had no hope I'd say no inkling of an idea that we might certify and it's funny because people say oh you're the first island and I say yeah and I think we were the lowest ever score we certified with 80.1 and the path mark is 80 which I think was fantastic for us because there's nothing better than a low score to make you capture what B Corps is all about which is constant improvement I chose B Corps because it is that it is not a certification well done us. we're fantastic it is a we're on the road there is so much we can do. I mean, I think there's 300 points that you can get. Um, but what it means to me and my team is, as my head of purchases phrased it, happy everything. So when we were doing the B the, the vehicle, I was doing the assessment in English and some of my team were doing it in Spanish. And a lot of the language is quite complex. And, and, and for a lot of our team who, who don't have, you know, a, a hugely academic background and, and some of the guys on our team don't, don't read, um, we wanted to make the language super inclusive and we wanted to get the concepts across in a way that everybody could understand and enjoy, you know, and participate and, and contribute. And it was my head of purchase. It's really simple. It's just happy everything. You know, it's happy eggs, it's happy chickens, it's, it's happy furniture supplies, it's happy fabric, happy uniforms. That has become the mantra for the team. Whenever we are choosing a supplier, whenever we're making a decision, the question is quite simply, is it happy? Um, and if it's happy, then we do it.
1: Wow. You've distilled it into such simple, but such clear words of exactly that. Just continuing to evolve, making sure that everyone, everything is happy. I love that. Now, I'm sure I speak for both myself and our listeners and wanting to know what their future holds for you, your team, and your future guests throughout Columbia. And so can you share some things that guests can look forward to coming out of Blue Apple Beach in particular?
0: Well, I mentioned that we are uh, expanding one of our bedrooms uh, to become a three bedroom suite, which is a very, very small game. At the moment with Blue Apple this year, I've decided that I really would just like to consolidate, to double down on the quality of our food. We're really focusing on our regenerative farm. Um, We're producing a lot of our own greens at the moment. Um, We've got our own goats in the house. I think my chef is very, very keen to start making our own goat's cheese. So I would say that the biggest changes you're going to see at Blue Apple for the next year or so are going to be food related. Um, And also in our cocktail space. So our bartenders are now in our kitchen garden on a day to day basis, making a lot of their own tinctures, you know, distilling some of their own uh, their own liquors. So food and drink is going to be really exciting. Not really planning to get any bigger, uh, but I am working on a project in another part of Colombia, which is called Los Llanos. It's the savannah um, very, very rural, very remote, almost no tourism there at the moment, very undeveloped, which is a good thing. And I'm working with some good friends of mine who run a high-end travel company to create a tented camp, um, which would be based around wildlife, bird watching, but also enjoying the local culture, which is kind of Colombian cowboy culture. You actually go over on a horse. Uh, I love riding, so this is definitely a passion project for me. And that's something that we're looking to really develop this year and next year with a, with a view to opening in 2025. So I've slowed down a bit,
1: my old age. You mean you're not opening a new bar or restaurant or hotel each year? Come on now, way to get lazy on us. You're spending too much time on the beach.
0: <laughs> I actually, also I did promise my parents that I would build a house uh, for them to come visit me this year.
1: Oh, well, that sounds wonderful. We'll definitely have to touch base with you when that opens and to see the mix of both worlds. We'll get a little dancing in, a little horseback riding in, I mean, I travel by my stomach, so any food, any cocktails, sign me up. Um, But really, for the guests that are visiting Blue Apple Beach or any of your other locations, what advice do you have for visiting these types of places and um, really incorporating that philosophy into their stay? I
0: think it's it's what I mentioned earlier. Think about your trip, your visit, your stay, obviously for yourself and and how much you're going to enjoy it and come with the best energy and wanting to have a good time but maybe also spare um, some thought for what you're leaving behind and what impact you're having and what you're contributing beyond just spending your money um, and how you can interact with people and and, and treat them like the humans that they are. Uh, Because something that I do see is that people that come with that attitude, people that show up to any business, not just mine, but to any hospitality business with the attitude of, hey, how can I positively impact you as well?" well? We'll always have the better time. Um, And and, and you do get back what you put out, come with an open mind um, and and come thinking about, about you as a temporary participant in a community, rather than just you as a client there to receive things in exchange for money.
1: Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Blue Apple Beach, and we've learned and grown in good company with you, Portia, and thus we have a few final questions, what I'm calling a toast to table topics. Who would be a dream beach club or overnight guest?
0: It's hard because I'm not a celebrity minded person. And I've learned so much from all the guests who've come. And it's the people who you, you know, who you don't expect and don't know anything about. I will give a shout out actually to Kristen Kish, um, who came as a guest chef a couple of months ago. And Kristen, who is obviously a superstar, was so incredibly humble, but also kind. And she took time to speak to every member of staff and make everybody feel special and had loads of interesting stories. And I learned a bunch from her. And she's fantastic at cooking and is prepared to get in the kitchen. So I'm going to say Kristen can come back.
1: Perfect. Yes, (laughs) great answer. Now, do you have a horror guest or a favourite guest story you'd like to share?
0: I can't share the horror guests. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, you know, with, we, we do have
0: one particular guest that's, that sticks in our minds and, and she will go unnamed. Yes. But uh, our uniforms will have a slogan on the back and that slogan is, Usted no sabe soy yo, which means in English, you don't know who I am, which is anybody who works in hospitality will know is a phrase that people use when they want to get something. And this lady used it with me. And uh, she was trying to get a reservation. She didn't have one. She was in a big group. She was really desperate. And she was yelling at me, you know, this is really bad. I have a reservation. And I was like, no, you don't. And uh, she said to me, you don't know who I am. you. I'm friends with the owner. And I did not know who she was. And we found her a table. She had a great day. And I asked my team afterwards, my embrace, you know, does that happen often to you? Because obviously that doesn't happen often to me because most people do know that I'm the owner and they're very, very, very polite. And he said, yeah, boss, honestly, that's how quite a lot of people talk to us. So we put that slogan on the back of our shirts. Every single member of staff at the Apple wears that. And it serves to let anybody coming in the door know that we don't tolerate that attitude. Um, and also for our team to think when they're wearing their shirt, I am somebody. Uh, and I matter, and I'm of equal importance. So I would not say she was a horror guest. I would say she was representative, perhaps, of a certain attitude of guests, and one that we don't have since that incident. Um, and even if people, perhaps, with that attitude do come here, I think they see the shirts and hold those words on the inside.
1: I love the irony of that, and how you just turned that uh, one comment into such A saying for your team and a rally cry, if anything, I think, you know, working, being blessed to have worked in hospitality, you really understand the people and the operations behind it. And so the more that we can educate any guests on just the complexities of it and that, you know, your team has been trained and is supportive to really give the best experience because they themselves care, then I think guests will be so much more open to that. So I love that that saying just reminds you every day of the fact that, you know, we're all people and we're all just trying our best. (laughs) Now, speaking of that, who is an unsung hero on your team that you'd like to raise a glass to now?
0: Out of 65 people, that's a tough question, but I have to say uh, Emma, who is my right hand, She starts as my personal assistant, um, but she basically assists absolutely everybody in the business. And I can't mention Emma without mentioning the fact that she's also an activist. Emma is the first uh, trans woman to publicly create um, an Instagram social media persona here in Cartagena. She is a trailblazer um, and she's fantastic at her job and she makes Blue Apple what it is, and we trust her and rely on her. And at the same time, she's also advocating and defending for an entire community. So hats off. I absolutely many love. hats off. <laughs> many hats off. It sounds
1: <laughs> like she wears a lot of them. <laughs> now, do you have a favorite beachside beverage of choice?
0: I do, and this is I'm very embarrassed to say, my bartender knows this. I do not actually like cocktails. <laughs> so my beachside beverage is absolutely Always a glass of Pinot Noir. Um, I am a wine person. As long as there is wine, everything is okay. Uh, But I can highly recommend one of our cocktails.
1: Yes, no, I definitely love my wine as well. I thought you were going to say rose, um, just because it it is the beach environment. But I respect the Pinot Noir choice.
0: It was the backbone on which we built the business, rose. Um, But if it comes to sheer enjoyment, then also, because bear in mind that I'll have a Pinot Noir at the end of the day. So, you know, we've survived another day. Um,
1: we're down in that warm
0: atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and I'm you know, probably sitting down either with a friend or on my own, just kind of reflecting. And it's quiet and peaceful. And I'm looking at the guests as they also see the transformation of the place from, from day to night. And that glass of wine is magic. I
1: love that. Now, what type of music really gets you moving and grooving? What what can we expect at Blue Apple Beach?
0: Uh, Champeta, which is uh, the music of Cartagena, which is a mix of so many things, Latin beats, uh, Afro-Columbian beats, rap, reggaeton, but you mix it all together and it's just this, it is impossible not to dance when you hear Champeta. And also I love it because it lights up all the local people as well. So Um, that's definitely my my music of choice for here at the beach.
1: Amazing. So then when you do have your Pinot Noir in hand, where do you sneak off to on your property? Where's your favorite spot?
0: So we have this very, very high hedge, which is about kind of, I don't know, 12 feet tall. And when we first moved into the property, this hedge was essentially a security wall. And one of the first things that we did was cut giant holes into it and put in these kind of almost teepee-like cabañas. Um, which sit between the beach and the property. And I remember everyone saying, oh, this is such a security risk. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't put holes in the wall. And um, because we have a fantastic relationship with the community, um, they take care of us and it's not a security risk. And those little teepee cabanhas are my favourite places to be. Just at the end of the day, you're in this halfway space between the property and the beach. You can see the ocean. You can look up and see the lights of the hotel. You can hear what's going on everywhere. Uh, but you're somewhat removed. And that for me is absolutely the best spot. And I'm amazed that all of our guests are not there every evening. But it's one of those secrets, I guess. You have to discover it.
1: (laughs) Now, it sounds like you've traveled a lot yourself. Where is somewhere new that you would love to go?
0: I am extremely lucky that I am already going there this year. I have booked a holiday in the kingdom of Bhutan and I will be going there with my father for two weeks, visiting a friend of mine who has a regenerative property there. And I am beyond excited. My dad and I did our first big trip last year to Rajasthan in the Himalayas. Um, and this is the second trip. Um, I tend, again, a bit like celebrities. I, I don't sort of have destinations in mind, but when I hear about a property that I really admire, I will be staying in gangti Lodge, which is another regenerative property. Uh, and I think it's somewhere that I can go and learn and also contribute and also share and impact and be impacted that's what makes me excited so October here we come
1: yes oh my gosh and to share that with your father and just to create those memories together is is so special I love that for you all right and to not overstay our welcome I want to wrap up our conversation by asking if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode where can they go to book a stay or an experience at blue apple beach
0: blueapplebeach.com which seems like a very short and
1: easy answer. Yes. (laughs) Now, where can they follow along your journey? Do you have a newsletter or social media channels that you'd like to share as well? I am a complete disaster at social media. Blue Apple Beach has its own Instagram, Blue Apple Beach,
0: um, which is amazingly quite well developed for somebody like me. Uh, And I have also just opened my own Instagram account, um, which is Porsche at the Beach, where else? Uh, And I try to make sure that my content there is useful helpful and interesting
1: yes something to learn and to be a little envious of all that beach time not (laughs) not envy inducing
0: I think that's why I stayed off social media for so long I didn't want it to be boastful
1: (laughs) no I'm sure it's not having had this wonderful conversation with you I'm sure it is so informative and just eye-opening so I look forward to following along on more as you continue to build out your community there So, muchas gracias for joining us, Portia, and for sharing with us a taste of how to enjoy a beach day, guilt-free, with good food, fun music, and, of course, wine. Salud.
0: Salud. Y gracias a ti, Molly. Thank you so much for the space.
1: Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends.